How's it going today, guys? Welcome back to the Thermodiet Podcast. We're going to change it up a little bit today. Um, Jake Miner actually is going to be interviewing me. Um, he was super adamant about getting an interview and kind of getting my story in there. So I hope you enjoy it and let me know what you think. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Thermodiet Podcast. And I'm your host, Jake Miner. And today I get the amazing opportunity to interview my thermal brother from another mother, the Research Cowboy. How's it going today, Jaden? I'm doing well, Jake. How are you doing today? Good, man. I've never been better. So um, before we get into the meat and potatoes of your thermal journey, where does the name Research Cowboy come from? You know, who gave it to you? How'd you get it? Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm originally from Texas. I came out here just an innocent Texas boy and uh, Zach and uh, Brenton in the office started to put together this kind of persona for me. And, you know, now just the nickname has stuck, but they had a 10 gallon hat that they were trying to get me to wear and a lasso that they wanted me to carry around. Um, but fortunately, I got them to forget about that and I just kept the name and it was kind of catchy. Yeah, I love it. That's that's my favorite uh, nickname I've heard of you so far, the Research Cowboy. Yeah. It's definitely original. Fits you perfect. Heck yeah. All right. So uh, this has been a long time coming. I've watched you do podcast after podcast after podcast, interviewing people. And the whole time I've been sitting there thinking to myself, man, we got to get jaded in the hot seat. People want to hear a story. I want to hear a story. So without further ado, can you give us your thermal journey, you know, how your health journey started, how you met Christopher Walker, and how you ended up working for the greatest health company on the planet, Umzu. Yeah. Um, so I guess this goes back to, man, um, whenever I started training for football. Um, so played football my entire life. It was what consumed the first 18 years of my life. I just eat, slept, and breathed football. Um, and that's how it was back in West Texas. Like, I mean, football was the sport. And so it started there. And then whenever I was 18, um, I had the chance to either sign and go play, or I had the decision to go to school. And, you know, through my experience, I was kind of doing a lot of thinking and, um, some reflection on it. And, I decided that football wasn't for me. Um, I had some injuries that I knew that were only going to get worse the more that I played. And if I was 40 years old, you know, am I going to look back on my life and regret the decision that I made because I can't play with my kids or I can't move around because I decided to go be a collegiate athlete. And so at that moment, I decided to not sign and go to school as a biology student in pre-med for naturopathic medicine. And so whenever I did that, I completely stripped my entire identity and had to redefine myself as a person. Um, didn't know who I was, didn't know what I liked, didn't know what I was interested in. Um, and so I basically had to start from scratch and figure out who was Jayton and who was the man that I was going to become and what were the things that I wanted to do. Um, and through that journey, I had always wanted to be like super lean. Um, 
you know, I had always been under the impression that I needed to put on as much weight as possible for football. Um, and even at that point I could only put on so much weight, um, that my body was willing to hold. I think the highest that I got up to is 220 pounds at one point. Um, and throughout the course of the season, I dropped back down to 200 just cause my body couldn't sustain the weight. Um, and so over the course of three months, I went from about, I think I ended football season at around 210 pounds. I dropped all the way down to my lowest, which was 153 pounds. And whenever I did that, I had, you know, the veins in the abs, super shredded. Um, and throughout that time, I felt like absolute shit. Like I just felt terrible. Um, every single day, I'd be freezing to death. It'd be 110 degrees outside. I would have jeans on and a hoodie and still be cold on a daily basis. And this was my senior year in high school. Um, no libido. Um, I was not social at all. I didn't like talking to people. Um, and so I kind of isolated myself for quite a while. And then um, I continued that journey. Um, started doing intermittent fasting, came across Greg O'Gallagher's stuff from Kino Body. Um, I'd also came across um, some of Chris's work at that point, too. I'd been following Chris for quite a while. And so um, I was trying to figure out, you know, I feel like I'm doing everything right. You know, I'm eating the chicken and broccoli on a daily basis. I'm working out the way that I'm supposed to. Um, I look good, but I don't feel good and I can't figure out why. And, you know, come to find out I, uh, I get into college and, you know, I just, I feel terrible. It's hard for me to get up out of bed in the mornings. Um, I'm weak. Um, I'm starting to get skinny fat. So like my muscles going away and for some reason there's fat just building up on my body and I don't know why. And so when got some blood work done from some different doctors come to find out I had, um, hypothyroidism. So classic high TSH, low T4, um, and so initially they tried to put me on HDH spray because they thought it was going to re reinitiate that process. And they put me on, um, a little bit of T4 as well, this endocrinologist, because, um, as a secondary mechanism, I also had low testosterone. I had 113 nanograms per deciliter at that point. And so, you know, as a 19 year old male, I'm going through a hypothyroid state and a low T state. And then um, the spray didn't work. I did a bottle of it, but it was too expensive to continue. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to continue to do this. Um, and then after a while, the doctor ended up putting me on a little bit of TRT. So I was on TRT injections for a little while. Um, and honestly, like I felt like a drug addict having to prick myself with a needle, you know, every week or every other week. And finally, I was just like, you know, fuck this. Uh, and so, um, I just stopped cold Turkey. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, I'm going to figure out how to do this on my own. And that's what kind of threw me down the rabbit hole. I started to look a lot deeper into Chris's work. I started to, um, you know, just take in every ounce of information that I could from every resource that I could find, whether it was in class, um, through the different kinds of classes that I was taking at that time, whether it was biology or biochem or my different labs, um, organic chemistry, things like that to, 
um, you know, shadowing doctors. I actually shadowed an, an endocrinologist for a while and saw a lot, saw a lot of really cool stuff whenever I was doing that. Um, and then I came across Ray P's work and I started taking a deep dive into Ray's stuff. Um, at this point I was still intermittent fasting and for some reason, every time I take one step forward, it was like I was taking two steps backwards. Um, and I fought this for probably from 18 to honestly, I would say about till I was 21. So even whenever I was still working at Umzu, I was still struggling with a lot of this stuff and I was still, um, still trying to fight my way out of the hole that I was in. Um, and fortunately throughout, uh, that first year at school, uh, I was, I reached out to Christopher Walker on Instagram. I sent him a message. I just told him, Hey, I'm a pre-med student studying biology for naturopathic medicine. And if there's anything that you want or that you need, I'd love to do it. Just tell me, you know, which direction to go. And he actually ended up messaging me back and he was like, Hey, you know, I need a little bit of research articles for the universal plant, which was the CBD um, website that they were building up at the time. And so I was stoked. I was just on, I was on the moon and so happy. And I remember going home that Christmas break and I would wake up and I would research and write articles for probably four hours in the morning. Um, and I think over the span of like a week and a half or two weeks, I wrote them 14 different articles, completely research backed over different kinds of topics of CBD um, he, and he told me like, okay, that's enough. Like, I don't, I don't need anything more from you at this point. And so I ended up getting back to school and, uh, got the opportunity to call Chris on the phone, which whenever I did that, I was just pouring sweat. I was sitting in my dorm. I was like, man, this, this is crazy. I can't believe that this is happening. Um, call him on the phone. He was like, Hey man, I love the stuff that you're doing. I think we can set up a summer internship with you. And I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe that this is happening. Like, this is really cool. And so I uh, didn't hear from anybody at all until about April, whenever I had a FaceTime interview um, with the head of HR here. Her name's Carrie. Um, we call her the wolf. She is awesome. Um, she like she was the first like friendly face that I got to see in the company. Um, and she is very good at giving you a very good introduction into the company. So, um, again, pouring sweat, super nervous, my heart's racing, um, do the interview, got the internship. And so, um, I actually worked remote for three months over the course of the summer of 2018. And then, um, you know, I would wake up in the morning, I built myself a standing desk in the sunroom of my mom's house. And I would walk out there with a giant French press full of coffee and in my underwear. And I would just stand there for eight hours out of the day. And Chris would send me these lists of topics that he would want research on. And I would send them like 12 pages of links and different kinds of studies that had like little synopsis right by them and stuff like that. Um, and I was loving it. Like it was awesome. Um, and then I got the opportunity to come up to the office for a week. Um, it was right whenever they had moved out to Boulder. So the office was still a little bare. Um, but I got to come out for a week and I remember, um, I came out on a Monday 
and I had a 45 minute walk from my Airbnb. And that Wednesday morning, whenever I was walking to the Airbnb, uh, I remember walking over this little bridge with the creek running under me. And there was this moment of almost, it was the most amount of peace that I had ever experienced up to that point in my life. And this overwhelming sense of gratitude came over me. And I was like, man, this is where I need to be. And so I walked into the office that day and I talked to Chris and Nate at the time was here. Um, and I just looked at him and I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care what it takes. I'm supposed to be here. And this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, they said, okay, we'll get you up here. And so that August I got to move up, um, and start working full time for them. And then that's kind of my introduction into Umzu. Heck yeah. What an amazing story. Uh, my next question was going to be that moment that you just shared. That was awesome. Um, it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And I, when I feel like when you first told me uh, that moment that you had, I kind of shared it with you while you were saying, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And uh, I was kind of in a similar thing where I had this feeling, you know, I was hoping I wanted to work with you guys for you guys. And I finally kind of had a sit down moment uh, the second week I started with you guys. And I was thinking about uh, the moment you just had all day long. And I'm just like, wow, you know, the feeling Jaden has is amazing. The feeling I have is amazing. And like you said, I was, I was at so much peace the way I felt finally, you know, it was a long time coming that that is one amazing story, Jaden. Thank you. All right. You mentioned um, after the first year, you were still uh, kind of hypothyroid and still uh, healing, you know, kind of get out of that state. So uh, what did you do or how did you get to that point where you were in, you know, more of a thermal state or got out of the state you mentioned? Mm-hmm. So I would say the biggest, the, the highest leverage factor for me was the consistency, just knowing that I was on the right path and the things that I were doing were right. Um, or at least the closest to right that at that time I could possibly be doing. And, you know, just over the course of two to three years, um, I finally got to a point where it's like, I feel good consistently. Um, I feel strong. Uh, honestly, like 2020, everybody's been hating on it, but it's probably been one of the best years of my life. Um, as far as my health goes, my experience, um, on a day-to-day basis, just, I feel like everything that I do consistently is just part of the path that I'm supposed to be on. And I finally feel good doing it. Um, so that's been nice. So I would say consistency is probably, uh, the highest leverage factor, um, eating enough food. So for the longest time I was eating the calorie deficit, um, still chasing my vanity goals, Um, I wanted to stay lean and try and get as much muscle on me as possible while in a calorie deficit, which is not how that works at all. Um, And so I finally came to a point where I was like, you know, my health is something that I need to prioritize. I need to let go of these perceptions that I believe other people have of me and focus on the way that I feel on a day-to-day basis and my perception of myself. And so 
that's kind of whenever I got into the the reverse dieting phase and implementing strategies to get my calories as high as possible, um, eating strategically um, and eating in a way that alleviates the micronutrient deficiencies as much as possible, making sure um, that I get enough calcium to balance the calcium to phosphorus ratio inside the body, um, making sure that I get enough salt in to, ha- to have enough electrolytes. I started supplementing with a large amount of magnesium on a daily basis. Um, I started ex- um, experimenting with different kinds of ashwagandha extracts um, that actually work really well. Um, let's see what else would I, was I doing. Um, let's see. I actually I was taking progesterone for a little while. Um, I would just rub it topically on my skin above the thyroid. Um, it actually helps a little bit with thyroid conversion and production. Um, so I was doing that for a little while. Uh, I would say that helped quite a bit making sure that I got enough sleep was huge. So a sleeping schedule helped me tremendously, like go to bed at nine 30, wake up at, you know, anywhere from five 30 to six 30. Um, you know, there for a while I was getting a little less sleep. I'd go to bed around eight 30 and wake up at four and get to the office for, you know, four 30 and just grind throughout the entire day. But that was kind of an, a necessity at that time period. Um, let's see. Making sure that I rest and rested uh, thoroughly, so I was resistance training. I was still resistance training for probably three to four days a week, but I was just making sure that I was doing it in a way that wasn't fatiguing my body too much and putting it under too much stress. And then I was focusing on my recovery big time um, with nutrition, sleep, red light therapy was huge. Um, making sure that I got enough sunlight, and then um, the psychological factor was a big one for me because I tend to have. Um, probably like four thoughts happening in my head simultaneously. And I, I'm an overanalyzer. And so I tend to, whenever I think about something, I think about it and I think about it and I think about it until there's nothing left to think about. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I have an affinity for the sciences, um, the different kinds of philosophies and psychologies that are out there is because you can think about those things for almost an endless amount of time and still uncover something new. Um, so I would say the psychological factors as far as finding peace within myself was a big one. Um, learning how to ground myself in the present moment, um, and not having anxiety for the future. Um, that's one thing that I noticed that I tended to struggle with growing up was, um, had super bad anxiety for what the future held. Um, whenever it's something that we really don't have that much control over, um, if any control at all. And then um, learning the things that I should and should not fret over, the small stuff. Um, I would say now within my experience, there's very, very few things that can actually trigger an emotional response within me um, versus whenever I was growing up and prior to really focusing on it. I mean, if somebody just looked at me wrong, I would be mad at them. And I would kind of focus on that person for the next hour. I'd be like, well, you know, they did all of these things. What did I do to them? And just kind of break it down and overanalyze it. Um, so yeah, I would say those are probably the biggest ones, the consistency, um, making sure to rest and relax. Uh, the progesterone was a big factor. The supplementation was a big factor. Nutrition was a big factor. And then the psychological factor. All right. Uh, my next question 
you kind of touched base on it there with your last answer. Uh, but when it comes to health optimization, um, people are always trying to just cut corners, uh, find some magic pill, some overnight quick fix. Uh, can you go into detail? Why is it so important to have such a solid foundation when it comes to diet and supplementation and kind of tie in uh, Christopher saying, you know, the long road is the fast road. When you are do when you are, are when you are, excuse me, cutting corners, you know, you end up two steps back. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing to think about whenever somebody's in a poor state of health is like it's taken you your entire life to get to the point to where you're at today. It's going to take some time for you to be able to pull yourself out of there. It took me three years to get to where I am today. And I still wouldn't say that I'm 100% optimal. I would, I mean, I would still say that I'm only probably 85% of the way to being as optimal as I could be. Um, so just realizing that it is going to take probably a decent amount of time for you to get to a state to where you're comfortable. Um, usually it's about a third of the time that it took you to get there. So say you're 30 years old um, and you've just absolutely destroyed yourself. It's probably going to take you a decade to get to 100%. Um, but in saying that, you're getting redirected and every single year of that decade, you feel 100% better. You're like, wow, I can't believe I feel this good. And then the next year, you're like, wow, I can't believe I feel this good. And it just keeps getting better each year. Um, so, yeah, I would just say that realize that it's taken you a long time to get into the state that you're in and realize that it's probably going to take some time to get you out of there. Um, and then as far as shortcuts and stuff like that, you know, um, one of the easiest kind of comparisons is fat loss. You know, you see all these people go on crash diets and lose tremendous amounts of weight. And then a few months later, you see that they've put all the weight back on because the faster that you lose that weight, the easier it is, it's going to be able to put it back on. And so, um, building the habits that are necessary in order to have a solid foundation in health itself and developing the knowledge that is necessary to know why you are doing those things and how they work um, is extremely important. And I think that it, it can help a lot of people. Heck yeah. All right. So in a uh, previous podcast, you mentioned um, you were doing myofascial release. So you mentioned Nadi Aguilar uh, and you were doing his program. So for uh, the viewers today that have no idea about uh, myofascial release, you know, what is it, uh, why you started it and who would you recommend uh, myofascial release to? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I think that most people should be doing some form of self-massage. Um, and that's basically what it is. It's just self-massage with lacrosse ball, um, different kinds of foam rollers and things like that. And basically what fascia is, is it's a web-like structure that's integrated throughout the muscle tissue, the tendons and ligaments and things like that, that kind of helps. Um, so right now, Within the scientific community, the main hypothesis for its use is to um, lower the amount of friction that is created between those different parts of the body. So the different types of muscle tissue, the different tendons and ligaments and things like that. And what can happen over time is whenever... Um, it comes into contact with some form of trauma, whether it's psychological trauma that's manifesting itself on the physical level, or if it's some kind of physical trauma that happened in that area, um, calcification 
of the fascial tissue begins to take place. And then by implementing that myofascial release, you begin to break down the calcification in those areas and allowing for a greater um, mobility to take place. Um, you actually begin to release um, or lower the amount of cortisol that you hold because whenever your muscles are tense, um, you're not producing that uh an optimal amount of energy in order to properly compensate for the stress responses that you're having. And so, um, if you ever, uh, hear of rigor mortis, that is whenever the body stiffens up, whenever you die, it's because there is not enough, there's no energy production. And so the body will stiffen. Um, that's why they say that, uh, relaxation of the muscle is the actual energetically demanding part, um, of muscle utilization. And so, um, basically just, getting a higher amount of mobility into the muscle in order to allow for optimal energy production to be able to take place. Yeah. Good stuff, brother. All right. So when it comes to, um, bioenergetics and health in general, has there been, you know, one group you follow, one author you follow someone like Ray Pete, that's been your biggest influencer or do you have multiple influencers? Yeah. Um, honestly, like Chris, not only in the realm of bioenergetics, but just life in general, um, he's been a huge kind of, um, I would say, uh, mentor to me for sure. Um, he's helped me develop in so many different ways. Um, Ray Pete is obviously one of the ones that continues to blow my mind every time that I hear him talk. Um, I'm working on getting him on the Thermodiet podcast, so... Uh, we'll get him on here eventually for sure. Um, let's see. Georgie Dinkoff is always amazing to talk to. Um, let's see. As far as authors go, um, Kate Daring has a really good book. Danny Roddy has a really good book. Um, Chris's books are really good. I can't wait for his new book to come out. Uh, I want my I want to get my hands on it so bad. It's going to be How to Eat. It's going to release probably in January. Um, so make sure to... Look for that if you're looking for a new read whenever January rolls around. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's mainly just, you know, learning the fundamentals of science and just kind of biology and biochemistry. You don't have to be a scientist to learn these things. Um, there's free resources all over the place from Crash Course, um, who has different kinds of courses all of all kinds of things on YouTube for absolutely free um, that actually has really good information. I watch those um, consistently whenever I'm kind of diving into a new topic and I want to learn the basics really, really quickly. Um, I'll look into Crash Course. There's Khan Academy that's really good, um, and you can learn pretty much anything that you want to on there. Um, you know, YouTube is a great resource for just about anything. You just got to make sure that you have a really good BS filter. Um, whenever you're looking through a lot of that stuff, um, yeah, going through different kinds of scientific journals, um, talking to different people who've had the same experiences and, um, are kind of on the boat with the bioenergetic of like perspective of health, um, is really important. I would say, um, cause I don't really feel like there's that many that are actually on board with it and that know, um, the importance that it can have not only on yourself, but for all of humanity, if they realize the, um, power that the metabolic theory of health has, um, they'd be mind blown. Um, and it, honestly, it would change the perspective of our existence. 
So I would say those are probably the biggest ones. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So what would be your biggest piece of advice uh, to somebody that just found Christopher Walker? You know, you see so many people out there uh, doing one extreme diet, you know, vegan, then they go to keto, then they go to carnivore, and then they find one of Chris's videos and they hop on the thermo diet. Well, when they're at that point, that terrible stress state, you know, what would be your biggest piece of advice to someone that's kind of at that point where like, well, I'm here, but what do I do now? Yeah. Um, first thing is take it slow. Um, take it step by step. It's going to be a process implementing all of these things. Um, your body's really stressed out and you don't want to bombard it by stressing it out even more by throwing a whole bunch of new stuff at it. Um, so take it slow and then, um, you know, get familiar with the material that we have. Um, I would say take the time to go through the different courses that we have. Uh, the amount of information that is in those is, you know, it's pretty thorough and it's easy to understand. It's easy to digest. I think that's one of the, um, skills that Chris has, um, is to be able to translate very abstract ideas into terms that are very easy to understand for the mass population. Um, so yeah, I would say those are probably the biggest things. And then, um, let's see, focus on your gut health. I would say that if your digestive health is not optimal, then it's going to be really hard for everything else to kind of align as well. So that would be my first area to uh, dive into would be gut health too. Again. All right. This is a question from the peanut gallery, but if you were stuck on a stranded Island and you got to bring three supplements and three foods and eat that for the rest of your life, what would it be? Yeah. So the first supplement would be magnesium bicarbonate. Um, just an unlimited supply of magnesium bicarbonate would be fantastic. Probably a thyroid, so probably some T3. Um, let's see. And then I would say maybe like a vitamin K supplement would be my biggest ones. And then as far as foods, um, a good hard cheese like Parmigiano, Reggiano, um, some orange juice, and probably liver beef liver uh, liver every day mm-hmm. <laughs> heck yeah all right so i don't want to keep you too long i know you're a busy guy um my last question for you is so i know we just launched the umzu fit app and you have the thermal the perfect thermal course in there you know so what are you doing now you know are you working on something new um are you are you adding in a new routine new supplements what's new in the world of Jaden? Yeah. Um, so right now I'm working on a new periodization scheme for the program. So I'm kind of working on, um, I'm actually going through that right now. I'm in uh, week one, phase two. I just ended that this morning. Um, we went to the gym this morning and did some filming and stuff. So I went ahead and got in a workout. Um, so the periodization scheme is a big one. Um, I'm slowly trying to develop the skills and the information that I need to be able to develop the mindset course that I would like to bring out in the future. Um, and so right now I'm going through a a few different realms of philosophy. Um, right now I'm reading some Seneca. Um, Seneca is one of those minds that's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, well beyond his time. Um, let's see. Uh, 
Yeah. And then I actually just got a new textbook. It's over um, the essentials of strength and conditioning, like the essential principles of strength and conditioning. Um, so I'm kind of going through there and looking through the different. Inter- it's So it was published in 2000. So over the past 20 years, there is some stuff that has changed. Um, but there's some foundational elements in there that I wasn't aware of that I've kind of been refreshing my memory on as far as like the endocrinolo- endocrinology, endocrinological uh, responses from strength training and things like that. Um, the different types of things that overtraining does to the central nervous system. Like we actually have an excess amount of serotonin in the central nervous system whenever we begin to overtrain and have too much stress um, in the system. Um, which makes sense because your body begins to try and put itself into hibernation in order to regenerate properly. Um, so yeah, I would say it's nothing too crazy right now. I'm just kind of, I'm always experimenting with something. I'm always trying something different to, um, kind of learn and see what I can bring to the community. Awesome. All right, Jaden. Um, thanks for uh, taking the time, uh, to tell everybody your story today. I feel like, you know, it's, People are going to be super excited when they see the Thermal Diet Podcast, Jaden Miller, you know, and your story finally. So thank you for that. Uh, and with that being said, you know, have a great day. And I guess I will catch you on a different day. Heck yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, Jake. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and leave a comment down below if you want us to cover a different topic.